0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to
1: your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
2: Jake has landed safely in Europe. He sent Mark and I a couple pictures. A
1: selfie, right? Yeah, that was a selfie with him and Shannon, I think, on a double decker bus.
2: Was that what that was? Did that would you it look like it was elevated? Yeah. Looked like a gorgeous day. In Barcelona, little plane shot from Jake. He, I'm guessing, he didn't sleep. I feel like he was texting us the, the whole flight.
1: Yeah, seemed like it. I was like, well,
2: What's the time difference now? What I you should know. be sleeping. He kept on texting us. I was like, Gosh, well, is he doing the Russell Wilson high knees on the flight here? Um, so Jake. Let's is, ride Denver. Let's ride. <laughs> that, that gif on Twitter yesterday is incredible. Uh, Jake is in uh, Barcelona and Florence through Wednesday. So it'll be myself and Mark Dykden and Sam Fritz will be running the show for us. Scott Agnes at the bottom of the hour. Uh, the Pacers couldn't guard anyone last night. Uh, they made a comeback but lose to the Bulls. Miles Turner debut, very rusty for Miles Turner with that nine o'clock hour. Ben Standig will get a Commanders side of things and then Zach Kiefer will round out the show we're talking NFL trade deadline right now coming up on Tuesday again just to kind of summarize I don't believe the Colts will be entertaining much but and by no means am I saying sell it all blow it all up but I think if you can uh, trade an expiring contract trade an older guy that you know is not part of your core for the next you know three to five years and get an additional draft pick, kind of late day two, maybe early day three, I think that could help you out next April. Uh, Jeff wanted to join the conversation. Jeff, good morning.
0: Hey, good morning, guys.
3: Uh, Just wanted to ask a question uh, uh, in regards to Kevin's comment earlier about uh, the draft and uh, and the trade deadline. Uh, I can understand, Kevin, you uh, wanted to stockpile draft picks, and I think that's priority one to move up in the draft and grab quarterback uh, next year maybe, right? But in the interim, I was wondering what your thoughts were on maybe doing something as far as like taking a guy like
0: maybe Mo Alec Cox or Nick Cross and trying to attack another area on, like the line or somewhere else in the interim to try to take care of one of those needs right now.
2: That's interesting. Um, appreciate the call, Jeff. Yeah, Doug, I know was asking in the YouTube chat. You know, any talk of Colts being buyers at the deadline, like you know, trying to get a right guard, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Um, yeah, that that is something that I probably haven't given as much thought to. And to Jeff's point, and, and he said this, you know, I'm probably more thinking additional picks in April. But yeah, if you have a deeper position on your roster, Mark, and if you can upgrade on the O line, it's something I would definitely look into. Yeah. What's your deepest position on the roster, That's though? Great. That's a great question. I mean, he brings up Mo Alley Cox, you know, as. Gosh, have one you target, seen enough. One target in the last three games yeah. for Mo. I would say linebacker. Mm-hmm. And again, I know this is juicy, and if Shaquille Leonard could like this comment I'm about to make, he would do it. But like, there would reason. You know, Leonard's health will be the biggest hurdle in any of this. But there would be reasons to move Leonard, in that Bobby Okereke and EJ Speed have shown you something. They're in contract years. Um, yes, losing Leonard, losing a healthy Leonard would create the turnover void that is still there. So that question would be there. But um, you're moving a guy who is dealing with some health issues and it's a big contract. and it's a position that I don't think you should value as much as you do, granted, If I think that, probably some other NFL teams think that, so they might be more hesitant. But I think those are the areas you got to look at, Mark. And I don't know, maybe Bobby Okereke or EJ Speed, on the reverse of it, maybe they fall into that. Maybe the Colts sit there and say, we don't have the room to re-sign those guys. We're keeping Leonard, so maybe you do move one of them.
1: Yeah, I mean, the biggest detriments for Shaq Leonard are health and money. That's kind of two big things when you play football. So I could see why that would be a turnoff for a lot of teams. We're like, well, we like him, but we don't like him in this current state, and we don't like that contract that we'd have to take on if uh, if we took on his uh, thing. Here's one I got an interest. I saw an interesting tweet. I retweeted yesterday. I want to get your thoughts on this one. How many of these Colts free agents do you even want back? And there's a list: and Siany Kingakwe, Matt Pryor, Brandon Faison, Tyquan Lewis, Ashton Doolin, Rodney McLeod, Ben Banigou, Dennis Kelly, Paris Campbell, Matt Ha. Matt, ha- what's his name? Hawk. Hawk. Yeah, I, it I always confuses me every time I see it. It's uh, kind of like it. his performance. Bobby and
2: Chase McLaughlin. Boy, it's a group, Mark, that entering the year, I didn't think anybody was like a slam dunk. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously in an ideal world, Gakway would show you something. like, I we're going think... to get to the end of the year with him, Mark, and he's going to have like eight or nine sacks. I mean, what's he got? I think he's got close to four. Mm-hmm. But it's just, where are the pressures? Like, consistent pressures. I feel like it's just one sack and there's no other pressure throughout the game. I mean, right now, out of that group, uh, I would say Campbell. Campbell and Lewis.
1: Campbell's at least showing you something. Like, there's at least something where you're like, okay, like, we kind of of were writing Paris Campbell off for obvious reasons. Because he's been injured and just hasn't shown much. He's actually finally showing you something. So it might have been like one of those late, you know, late bursts of talent or whatever. So now you're finally seeing that happen. But everybody else, I mean, yeah, it's kind of like a who's who. Like, yeah, I I don't know if I want any of those guys back at the moment. You're hoping Ngakwe would kind of take the pressure off of DeForest Buckner and Pay, and it's been not that at all.
2: I mean, there's there's times when I'm watching the game, like, is he playing? Is he dressed today? Like, I haven't even seen him. I would say none of those guys, though, even if you were to bring any of them back, qualify as, like, top 10, top 15 most important players. No,
1: but I think there's... And and I guess you can look at it good and bad. I feel like the tweet is saying, like, Look at how many players are on the roster right now that you probably wouldn't bring back anyway. That's even more depth that you have to fill you know, down the line if you don't bring these guys back. So, yeah, I mean, they've got a lot of holes, and it's a lot of holes at some pretty important positions. So uh, by no means are we saying blowing it, blow it all up, because you, I mean, you can't do that anyway at the trade deadline. But, I mean, they didn't make some changes. They need they, they need to change their way of thinking about things and where they, their status in the NFL is and hopefully they'll do that before Tuesday's trade deadline. We'll we'll see what they do there.
2: Ray, you want to see the Colts do anything before the trade deadline?
4: Hey, Kate, Kate Boy, um I I'm going to always be a fan of, of yours and the um and the um Instagram lives. I hope you bring it back. I've been, <laughs> I've been wanting you to bring it back for over what it's been
2: about 2 years. Yeah, bro. the halftime yeah. Instagram yeah. lives, boy. I haven't I, I haven't done that in a while. Those those were entertaining.
4: Yeah, I, I miss those, man. I miss hopping on there at halftime and and seeing those, man. <laughs> <laughs> I should try and di- dial
2: those back up. Uh, you want to see anything happen deadline wise?
4: Um, I don't want to see anything happen until about Monday. Um, I want to give him a chance, man. See, okay. see what he can do with this roster first. I think before we, not necessarily blow it up, but. Before any moves are made, I think we need to give this roster a chance because I think the 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 quarterback play was, was the biggest issue, of course, along with the old line. But I think we need to see see how it looks first before we make any significant move. Yeah, I, and I I understand
2: there's a section of the fan base, Mark, thank you Ray for that. I I appreciate it. That is with Ray, like they do. They think like Jim Merce is thinking right now. And that in the short term, if Sam Ellinger is not turning the ball over like a machine, like Matt Ryan was, and if he can just manage it, that the Colts can still be around the hunt in a very mediocre to bad division. And if you do, I'm super glass half full with this thought, but if you look at Tennessee's schedule, there are road trips to Philly, to Lambeau, to Arrowhead. I think they're at the Chargers, if I'm not mistaken. There's a lot of minds on that schedule, and I'm of the belief that I don't think Tennessee is very good. Yeah, I mean
1: that's that's the thing. Again, we always fall back on the division that you know the Colts are in one of the weakest divisions in the in the entire NFL. The Titans do have a tough tough schedule. Bengals, like you said, Bengals, Eagles, Packers, Chiefs, Chargers, Cowboys. I mean they're all on the slate still for them, and they've only played two division games, so they could easily fall back in the pack even more and the Colts if they finally get a heater or they start you know putting some string and some wins together with Ellinger under center then you're talking a little bit different so again I again we're not talking about blowing it all the way up but if there's veteran guys on there that you're clearly like these are guys that you know we we're not going to have them around three to five years from now you got to start at least right. thinking for the future at least at least listen you don't have to make the move right no one's holding you you know gun to it, your head and saying pull the trigger now or whatever, you can listen to offers and see what they are, and if you think they're fair, think about it. And
2: again, I'm not saying blow it up. right? And, and I know like a lot of people are like, you, you sell, sell, sell. No, no, no. If you can sell a piece and gain a draft pick back, I think that's important. And I know it's a harsh reality to sit there and have internally, but if you're at West 56 right now, I'm a firm believer that you have got to be in a room and say, are we one piece away from being a legit contender? That's the que- And I would say that's a question for any NFL team. That's what you have to ask yourself. And I know that that is a bit of a step-back mindset. And if the answer is no, then you're willing to move a piece. But to the point of expired contracts of a Yannick Ngakwe or the age and Stephon Gilmore, those would be two guys that I think, and quarterback-wise, like what is the need? Again, I'm not acting like you get more than like a fifth, maybe a fourth, Back for either of these quarterbacks, but if some team suffers a big time quarterback injury this weekend, Nick Foles or Matt Ryan, yeah. If someone calls you and say, "What, what are you wa- wanting for yes. Kenny Moore?" Well, are you? Yeah, l- l- I guess l- l- let me start with Ryan or Foles, and then and th- right. th- then I'll get to Kenny. Yeah, if someone is calling me and saying, "Hey, we're in a desperate quarterback situation," I know that you know maybe those veterans aren't going to be the answer, but we would they be available? Mm-hmm. Hell yes, would be the response. He'd we'll give you a
1: sixth round pick.
2: Sure. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Moore. Yeah, he, he'd be on the list as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's. That got... means more Isaiah Rogers on the field. Sure.
1: Yeah. Again, you're listening. You don't have to pull the trigger on right. anything, but you're listening to these offers.
2: Uh, Aaron is up next. Aaron, you want to talk about uh, the big guy?
4: Oh, yes. Good morning, fellas. Hey, real quick. I heard Jake Query almost wasn't allowed on the plane. Why? Because they said no sharp objects or analogies. Is <laughs> that
2: <laughs> on the TSA list? I haven't flown in a while.
4: Oh, yeah. None of his uh, boring analogies. But, hey, to the RSA, uh, I'm having trouble a little bit with this situation between him and Daniel Snyder. I've always said the NFL was run by 32 Mafia bosses, you know, and it's all about the Benjamins with these fellas. Now, are they more upset about what he did as a person? Or is it the fact that him as a person can't raise money or manipulate money out of the local government to build him a new stadium?
2: Yeah, that's... Because
4: they're not moving their part. Yeah, so I'm not saying Daniel Flanger is not a pig. I'm just saying it's about money with these guys as well.
2: Yeah, I, I think there's a lot, honestly, there that Aaron is correct on. I, I, I do think – I'd like to think the root of where Jim Mersey was coming from in the owners' meetings last week, Mark, was because of, to use Aaron's phrase, Daniel Snyder is a pig and has allowed um, the sexual misconduct and the sexual harassment, I guess, accusation against him um, for so long. I, I I'd like to think that's the root of it. But Aaron, I think, is right in that the financial just swings and misses, I guess, that Daniel Snyder has had in Washington, in that area, in securing a new stadium and just creating revenue for a brand that I feel like a lot of NFL owners think it's a layup. Oh, you own Washington? That should be an easy top-ten revenue team. And they haven't been that. So I, I do think that plays plays into part of it. I think yeah. every every
1: time a new like stadium rendering comes out for like the Titans or the Bills or whatever, like Dan Snyder's
2: just like punching the air. It's like, how come I can't get that? And again, no local financial support nope. seems to be a huge, huge reason why. I would I think it's kind of three-pronged, I guess, to go back to Aaron's point. Again, I would hope and, and I do think that the root of it comes from just Jim Mercer being the father of three women and the grand or the grandfather of three girl or seven girls. Um, and saying there is absolutely no place for that sort of behavior in a workplace. I think that's the root of it. And then I think kind of underneath that, one is the financials that Aaron speaks to. The other, I think Ursay was extremely offended by the mafia comment of he thinks all these NFL owners just deep down hate each other. Jim Ursay is a huge, huge steward of the league, the history of the league, Art Rooney, and George Hallis, blah, 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 at my wedding, and all this. Like, And I know a lot of people laugh at that, but in Ursae's eyes, Daniel Snyder was attacking the history of the NFL, the ownership of the NFL, and Ursae, I think, views this as a time of, like, I need to be the front-facing voice. I need to carry the flag for the NFL, all the shield. And it, it, some people can laugh and say it, it's total BS and all that, but I'm just trying to explain where I think is coming right. from.
1: Yeah, they think it's like a fraternity, basically. So you're seeing someone kind of slander your brothers, and so you get a little offended and everything like that. And, yeah, I just don't think he's a very popular guy in among the owners, among fans, all that. He's just a problematic guy. He's got a lot of skeletons in the closet. Apparently he has dirt on guys that if they ever tried to out him, he would reveal all that. I mean, that would be interesting too, just to see, you know, how the owners would clap back at him. How about in that this regard. for Sunday?
2: Each team has to play their owner for a series in each half.
1: What side of the ball are they we playing? Well,
2: I, that's part of the strategy. There you go. What? Well, where are you putting Jim Irsay?
1: Well, I probably can't kick it worse than.
2: Oh well, no, I, I
1: need offense or defense. Oh, well, then they took a position. I thought strategy. You might want to try to pin them down inside the 10. Or so, say Matt, as a gunner, maybe? No, man. Well, maybe. Could you?
2: A, I don't know. A free safety? Well, that'd be. Force Taylor Heineke to try to go over the top? Daniel Snyder on a jet sweep? I mean, you're t- that sounds fun.
1: If you really want to pump up the ratings on this 425 kick. Part of the it. entertainment
2: aspect to that uh dan snyder where'd you like him to line up sam am i (laughs) somewhere he could get pancakes can you imagine just him getting honestly if the commanders fans would hope that ej speed would knock him into the you know section 115 or whatever's right behind one of the benches sam am i seeing this mark wants to wants the colts to be buyers is that right that is correct yeah mark you want to see them buy yeah kevin let me just throw this idea out there and this is kind of really
0: off the wall but what if uh You know, the Colts do take it on the chin on Sunday to the Commanders. Wouldn't it send a really good, strong message to the team if they called Pittsburgh and said, hey, uh, what would it take to get Mitch Trubisky here?
2: And that's just an example of basically a better, you know, an upgraded quarterback. Is he an upgrade? Well, like like I said, he's just an example. It could be Gardner Minshew. It could be, you know, a, a
0: variety of different backups.
2: Um I guess and thank you, Mark, for the
1: call. This is how I look at quarterback. I'd say if those are your buying options, I would say I would start yeah, selling.
2: You want to shop elsewhere, right? Yeah. Um this is how I kind of look at it of the retreads of a Trubisky, and Ben had some moments, and hell, most of his moments I feel like have been against the Colts. But I know what the end story is with either of those two. Like yeah. I know what's the end result's gonna be. I I've it's a different plot, but I know the ending to the book. Well, that was I my would thought. rather see Ellinger. He's been in your system right. for a year and a half. He's supposedly made some strides from a throwing motion standpoint. I think so many times teams draft quarterbacks and they're so hesitant to give them the opportunity. The Colts are giving him an opportunity. They are going to see and finally get an answer on him. So I I, Trubisky, no. I mean, he's learned a new system. He'd have no idea. Same thing with Minshew. Ellinger's been in your system. You've liked him. You feel like he's made some strides. Get a 10-game evaluation on him. And then at the end of the year, in all likelihood, you've got to make a big move in the draft. Well,
1: before the Colts landed on Matt Ryan in the offseason, we were looking at guys like Mitch Trubisky and Gardner Minshew as possible guys to come in here and take the reins. And I was like... Well, if you're going that route, you might as well just see what you have in Sam Ellinger. If those are your options, you already know what those guys are. Sam Ellinger's an unknown commodity that you have on your roster. You should see what you have in him. Thankfully, they went the route, and they ended up with Matt Ryan, so they didn't have to go with Mitch Trubisky or Gardner Minshew because I feel like that would have already gone the way it has gone in Pittsburgh and everything. So you've got Sam Ellinger now. You've got a 10-game sample size to see what he can do, and you know you'll evaluate after that. You'll see what you got. You're probably going to hit a quarterback in the offseason in uh, in the draft, and um, you'll go from there. But Mitch Trubisky, Gardner Minshew, that does nothing for me. That doesn't help me no. this year. That doesn't help me going forward. You know what those guys are. They're perennial backups. They're just backups. younger
5: retreads. Yeah, they're
1: perennial backups at this point.
5: It it may just be my extreme bias coming from Philadelphia here, but I, I don't see why. And I, Minshew is the backup
2: to Jalen Hurts right now, right?
5: I believe so, yes. But I'm, I'm talking Nick Foles, who we have, and, you know, I fully understand that Foles is a quarterback that most people in Indianapolis don't seem excited to see. But coming from Philadelphia, like, Foles could be our Lance Stevenson this year. We, we, we bring him in, we start playing him, and, hey, if he's doing well, we're going to have fun with it. Isn't we, that Ellinger? Well, but Ellinger's kind of this experiment that we're working on as a, a, a fresh new quarterback. And I'm fine with us giving Ellinger the start this Sunday. Like, it's worth a, it's worth looking into. But once that's over, or if we feel like Ellinger's not really worth putting in this season while we still try and rework this team, let's put Foles in. We're going to have fun with it at the very least. F- I mean, I was on fun the Fun with
2: Foles behind this offensive line, yeah, I was in Sam saying, Fritz? I was, I was
5: on the Foles train with the
1: Bears. And he can't move, right? I, it, didn't, it didn't seem like he had any Philly magic left in him. Now, that could say a lot about the Bears, but I mean, that offensive line for the Colts isn't much better than what the Bears were trotting out last year when when Foles was there, so I'd rather I don't know how much fun it would be. Given this offensive like line, I'd rather
2: see youth with legs mm-hmm. than old with no legs. Uh let's get to one more call. Again, Scott Agnes gonna join us here in about less than ten minutes, uh, to talk the pacers from last night. Uh Albert, is that right, Sam? He's been hanging in for a while, right? Albert, what's up? Um, uh, not much. Kind of-
0: stole a little wind out of myself because before the break, y'all were sounding like you were wanting to blow this all up. You were going to find magic pills, you know, in these draft picks you got back. And I was just going to point out that a lot of draft picks are fifty-fifty on whether they hit or not.
4: Oh, after for the sure. Break, mm-hmm.
0: kind of, yeah, mm-hmm. after the break, I kind of agree with your comments. I mean, if you get somebody who calls up and offers you something, you can get a couple picks that you can try to fit in. I would totally agree with But the idea of blowing it up to get a magic pill in the draft just seems right. like I said, it's like a different conversation before the break than after.
2: Yeah, Uh, apologies on that, Albert, if I wasn't clear before the break. Um, But, again, no one is going to blow it up, first of all, and I know that's not realistic, but basically, in summary, no one's untouchable. Listen, 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 and if you find expiring, aging, whatever, that you can move and get a decent draft pick back. And to Albert's point, yes, draft picks, you're still throwing a dart at the board, right? But, Mark, you know this full well. The NFL, when trading draft picks, those are so valuable to teams. Like, people view draft picks as gold when you can trade them, in that, oh my gosh, the unknown, that's enticing. That's exciting to teams. So, if you're able to get one and then down the road, potentially trade for one. And how I look at it is, you know, if you're adding a third, if you're adding a fourth, if you're adding a fifth, and let's say you need to trade. A first, a second, and next year's first to move up to get a quarterback. Well, now you can come back on day two, later in day two or early in day three, and you still have some additional picks in you know the ranges of a Julian Blackman, a Naheem Hines, a Bobby O'Karake, that maybe you can find some additional depth, a potential starter down the road with those picks. That's it's kinda obvious. I, it. I mean, kind of look at how the Eagles just did it. They just traded a
1: fourth round pick for Robert Quinn. And according to Adam Schefter, the Eagles still are scheduled to have six picks despite the acquisitions of Robert Quinn, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, and A.J. Brown and Jordan Davis. The Eagles still have six draft picks in the 2023 draft, including two in the first round, theirs and the Saints. So the Eagles have done a good job about manipulating draft picks, being able to get guys that they can get in win-now mode, like A.J. Brown, Robert Quinn, C.J. Gardner-Johnson. And they also have the draft stock to be able to stockpile more picks in the future. So I think that's what you're looking at. You're not tearing it down. You're not just selling off everybody for sixth-round picks. You're trying to see who has value, especially on expiring older veterans, and then go from there. See what you got. And then you can build. You can move up. You can draft. You can you know, go backwards in the draft. You can go forwards. You can do a lot of things if you have more draft picks. So gives you flexibility. The more you can stockpile, yep. how many darts do you want to throw at the board? Don't you want a lot? It's a 50-50 shot. You want as many darts that you can throw at the board as possible going forward in drafts.
2: How great would this be to be an Eagles fan right now? You're undefeated and you currently have the fourth overall pick in the draft thanks to the Saints. If you're Phillies fan, you're feeling pretty good, too. Right. So next week, it'll be Phillies hosting World Series games potentially on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Games three, four, five, right? Yep. And then they will host Thursday Night Football. Ironically enough, they're playing Houston on Thursday Night Football. So you could have... Games three, four, five, then Thursday night football with your undefeated Eagles, assuming they beat the Steelers this weekend. And then that leads into the weekend. God forbid. Can you imagine? <laughs> I mean, I'm praying for all those
1: poles that are in Philadelphia. They have to grease up to avoid people climbing on them, but that'll be pure <laughs>
2: chaos in the next week and a half gosh that philly cheesesteaks and greased up i was poles. gonna say that is absolutely glorious with that all right scott agnes gonna join us in a few let's hit a morning check down
1: rough night for the pacers last night they fall 124 to 109 against the chicago bulls in chicago zach levine 28 points demar Derozan 17 points buddy healed at a very good night 24 points for him and tyrese Haliburton burton a double double 18 points 11 assists not a great night for benedict matherin um he had a weird thing at the end of the game where uh, the Bulls are just trying to run out the clock. He stole the ball, tried to du- tried to dunk it. <laughs> Bulls didn't take too kindly to it uh, with his college teammate. Yeah, with his talent, to- Dale and Terry. I uh, was like, "What the hell are you doing? We're up 17 points." And uh, apparently, Mathern said, "Hey, game's not over." And I would argue that it was, in fact, yeah, over. Mathern
2: was pissed. He was pissed. Nikola Vucevic did not like it. They got into it for a brief minute there before. Cooler heads prevailed.
1: Pacers fall to one and four. They've still got three games left on the road trip. They've got a nationally televised game on Friday night against the Washington Wizards. Then two away games against the Brooklyn Nets, which I've not seen too often, where you have like back to back road games right. against the same. That opponent. concludes
2: the road trip. And tomorrow night is ESPN, correct?
1: Correct. Yep. Yep. So um, Pacers
2: Wizards on ESPN. You are hearing that correctly, folks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was like, is that like ESPN the Ocho? Like, where's that going to yeah. be? Nope. It's on the
2: on the mothership. I thought Jalen Smith really good last night. He's had an encouraging couple of games here now that he's slotted into that full roll Miles Turner's debut last night, 1 of 7, uh, 0 for 4. I guess good news is he didn't sprain an ankle in warm-ups.
1: Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, other good games, uh, Bucks beat the Nets. That was a fun one to watch. Bucks still undefeated on the season. Cavs topped the Magic, Hawks over the Pistons. Knicks beat the Hornets in overtime, 134 to 131. That was a high-scoring affair. And, uh, yeah, that was, there were some fun games around the NBA last night.
2: Tonight, Thursday Night Football, the Bucks favored by one over the Ravens. They are trying to avoid, or Tom Brady, I should say, is trying to avoid the first three-game losing streak of his career. And tonight starts, is it 27 or 28? I thought you said 27 to start the show. 27 straight days of football on our television sets. That would be college or professional. Um, if Jake were here, he'd try to read Ball State's schedule to you because the Maction, right? They'll be involved with a lot of that on the Tuesday and Wednesday mm-hmm. games.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jim Mersey's tweet beginning tomorrow, October 27th, on your viewing device. 27 straight days of football. Human civilization has hereby reached its zenith. <laughs> that was just a great, a great quote by Jim Mersey.
2: Again, I think Ursay at safety for a series on Sunday. Man, Daniel Snyder, you know, is a little scatback. How many NFL
1: owners if, if Don't if,
2: the commanders have a lot of those guys like Curtis Samuel and Yeah. If Daniel Snyder JD was on McKissick. the field
1: taking a snap, how many owners would be like, let me tag in, please. Let me oh, just 100%. lay one in on him.
2: No, oh, yeah. Robert Kraft is, you know, channeling his inner. Yeah. Football Jerry days. Jones, let me get in there. Yeah. Uh-huh. One thousand uh, percent. the Colts, they had practice yesterday. Pretty good injury report, no quiddy pay. Um, so it looks like his absence will continue with that ankle injury. I'm kind of confused why he didn't go on injury reserve at this point. I feel like it'll be four missed games for him. Shaquille Leonard, again practicing. That's four days in a row after his concussion and broken nose. So it looks like Shaq could be making his second season debut, if you will, coming up this Sunday. Obviously the big news yesterday, Sam Ellinger, Matt Ryan, both of them met the media. Here was Ellinger yesterday and talking about what he has learned from Nick Foles and Matt Ryan.
1: I've learned a ton. Um, You know, I told you guys it's an education that I can't pay for. Um, And the way to prepare like a pro, obviously Matt has done it for so long. Um, And I've been able to watch him and see his preparation. And then obviously Nick's done it as well. And he's prepared as a backup. And he knows what it's like to have those emotions, to be called up. And so to have those two guys in my corner as they've been vocally supportive, um, it's unbelievable.
2: Slamming Sammy Ellinger. Easy, easy to root for. I thought Matt Ryan handled things great yesterday. Yeah, he's a pro's pro, it, as you expect. I asked him any trade requests. He said it's something he's not thought about as of now. Uh, so we'll see if that changes. But I remember Eric Ebron at one point during the season just peacing out and saying, see ya. Matt Ryan did not need to meet the media yesterday, so kudos to him for being a stand-up guy. You know, will he be on the sidelines? I know. I was going to ask Frank that tomorrow. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah, I'll be curious to see. Third quarterback, I'm trying to think. I, I believe that will they dress Fools all. Foles has been the third QB. Yeah. He's been there, and I think when Ellen grows the third QB. No, Ryan is not dressing. Yeah. He will be yeah, inactive. I mean, he was on the injury report, obviously, as it did not practice. They're going to put him on IR? Yesterday. It doesn't sound like it for now. Again, we'll wait and see. Saturday is typically when you see kind of some late-week moves, but as of now, nothing on that front. All right, Scott Agnes, her horrific performance by the Pacers defensively last night. We'll chat with Scott about that and get his thoughts on those city uniforms. We'll do that next here. Instead to of lead off the show, I'm not sure what's worse, the look of the Pacers' city uniforms of their perimeter defense last night in Chicago, and frankly, their perimeter defense all season long. To chat more about that, Scott Agnes from Fieldhouse Files, I believe the man that broke Miles Turner into the starting lineup last night, he joins us now. Scott, I feel like this perimeter D – has been an issue honestly is it like the end of the McMillan era start of the Bjorkren era I feel like this has gone on now for several years it's it's like oh everything will be fine once Turner gets on the floor the issues are much much more than that
3: yeah completely um the the main point I go back to honestly is since Dan Burke was not brought back uh, he's been the staple as a defensive coordinator for uh working on staff for almost 23 years I want to say and uh Things change quite a bit, and it's not just that as well, by the way. When
2: did but Burke leave again? Was, was It took a
3: significant downturn.
2: Was, sorry to interrupt, but when did Burke leave? Was it the last year with McMillan? Bjorkran did not bring him back?
3: No, uh, no, it was the start of the Bjorkran era. Okay, so, so he's been gone be the last degree. two
2: years. Gotcha. Yeah, I think a lot of it, too, is personnel-driven. I mean, or you know, part of it's got to be personnel-driven, but then last night I just feel like, They're closing out so aggressively, the first guy gets beat off the dribble, and then it's a mad scramble, and no one has any idea what to do after that.
3: Yeah, no, 100%. It starts with individuals, and kind of the phrase they keep saying is guarding their yard. Guys are getting beat. You know, help sides are struggling, and, you know, then the thing that's baffling is sometimes they'll have guys in the right area, and they just won't do maybe perhaps what they're supposed to do, or, you know, whatever, and it's like so frustrating to see. I don't know. There's often a lot lack of communication. And while you acknowledge some of that, just because, you know, a handful of them are still rookies and a handful of them haven't played together and and all of that still. Some of it's if you're a basketball player, like what are we doing here? So, yeah, that's absolutely been concerning because it starts out on the perimeter because Miles is not a savior. He's going to help in many ways, Um, I mean, first game back, and he has four blocks, and I thought he was just kind of okay, and that's fine, too, because he hadn't played in 10 months, so it's going to take him at least several weeks to find his game rhythm and game timing, but that's been the number one thing, KB, through the first uh, week here, is the defense hasn't gotten any better, and it might be worse.
1: Rough night defensively for the Pacers, rough night for rookie Benedict Matherin. Uh, not just not a great performance, and then he had the weird uh, late game mindset about taking the ball and trying to score late. What were your thoughts on Matherin's late? Did he have game? the over
2: on his own points. Is <laughs> that what he was doing there?
1: What were your thoughts on no. his uh, his decision to try to steal the ball and score with like seven seconds left in the seventeen point deficit?
3: Guys, that is a perfect encapsulation of what Benedict is about that That's him, and that's him at practice. there's been times when you know in, in in drills as it's been explained by the coaches is like they'll they'll lose, and Benedict needs to go to the training room to cool down because he's he's just furious. It's like benedict this is just a practice, and that's just one drill there'll be another or one scrimmage, like he is an, an ultimate competitor more than any I've been around, and so I don't think that was for show. I don't think he was trying to be cute. He certainly wasn't looking for numbers. He that That's literally his mindset is everything's a competition, not just that game, not just that quarter. He wanted to win that that one play. And the twist in all of that that I found interesting is the guy he stole it from, his teammate last year at Arizona, Dalen Terry, who, who was here also for a pre, pre-draft workout and, and hyped up Matherin and what Pacer fans can expect. Can expect he was basically saying, "Hey, Benedict's the real deal." Th- there was nothing fake about that. Um, but uh, by the way, I want to give Vucevic credit. I thought he handled that tremendously well because, yeah, that's awkward. Like, yeah, agreed. The game's over. Like, what are you doing? And so it didn't look like he yelled or you know anything like that. But he's like, "Hey, Rook. Like, what are you? No, we don't do that. This is the men's league here." And and then uh, after the game, he put his arm around him, and it looked like he explained a little bit more. Then they then they separated in a good way, and I thought that was handled very well by a veteran.
1: Is that something Riccar Lyle loves to see out of a rookie like that, or is that something he's going to pull him to the side and say, "Hey, let's let's not do that going forward"?
3: I would guess in this instance, he says, "Yeah, let's not do this," um, mainly because sometimes that'll lead to something even more right. Like I think there was a sequence with Lance and the Raptors, I want to say, where maybe he dunked in the final seconds or something or stole it and two guys surrounded him It's just it's one of those and i hate this it's especially in baseball kind of the unwritten rules like you just let the team dribble it out you don't need to steal it but i think rick will say hey that that's benedict and i don't want to change that but i hope he kind of maybe understands that in that scenario we really don't need that but there's no way they're getting mad about that I don't think
2: yeah I I would think you would rather pull the reins on that than like want the guy to have more of that in him that's that's kind of how I view things with completely and that's
3: why that's that's why I chuckle a little bit KB when people talk about tanking and all that And first of all players don't do that but second of all that's one of the big things that front office prioritized this offseason was different characteristics one of which being guys that just love the game not just talented not just athletic guys that truly love to hoop that they have to tell him to leave the gym that's buddy healed that's tyrese matherin's absolutely one of those guys and you saw last night you know the game was over and in his mind he was just trying to get to the next play
2: scott agnes from fieldhouse files he's with us here on the Payless liquors hotline scott i would think individually i mean obviously you know matherin could fall into this category but you know i had very high expectations for him Um, I would say individually the guy that I've been most impressed by and in particular it's these last three games since he's moved from that five position they had him in early to the four I really like what I've seen from Jalen Smith
3: yeah I think he's he's done well and it's what's interesting to me is you mentioned that point of him and playing more of that four spot here in recent games as he grew up and always was playing the five even when he came here last year was like yeah I can play the four but I've always played the five. Well, when he played the five here, you know, in those couple games, it, it just did not go over well. And I think a lot of that, for one, is who he was playing with. I think it was also in camp and all of the off season He had focused on that new role. And so, right, you're kind of pigeonholed yourself a little bit and what you expect and what you trained for, and you have that mindset. And then if that shifts, that can throw you completely off, especially when – you know, this is only, what, year three for him in the league. Um, I thought all the bigs have had bright spots here early on in the season at different times, very rarely together. Um, but Isaiah has had some bright moments. Goga, if he plays 20 minutes a game, he's he's productive and usually plays well. Um, he just needs consistent minutes and, and kind of find a game rhythm out there. But, uh, yeah, I, I think there's been a lot of good showings from Jalen, especially like last, the previous game where I think he had 17 in the first half then it kind of disappeared a little bit. And you want more of that consistency.
1: Buddy healed was a name you brought up earlier. He had a pretty good game last night. He always seems to be a guy that gets brought up on the trade block. Like everybody's just like, Oh, he's not going to be here for very long. Uh, but do you see he could be a long-term guy on the Pacers or is this just like a layover until his next destination?
4: Yeah,
3: I think he's more, you know, in the lounge right now, kind of enjoying himself and making sure, you know, he's in between destinations, right? Um, I, I think the interesting thing was for Jay Quarry analogy
2: in there somewhere.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I gotta love the airport lounges. But uh, my whole thing with all that, especially with, compounded by the, the Lakers' loss last night on national TV. I mean, yeah, that's the obvious connection, obvious potential destination when he knocks down what like seven threes, and I think the Lakers go like eight for twenty-four as a team. <sighs> I mean, that would <laughs> that's pretty obvious right now. There. Um, now one, you can't have enough shooters is really well liked and, and everything. It's just the bi- one of the biggest concerns or issues, I think through the first week of the season guys is the minutes it's, you're not getting, where are you getting all the minutes from? Like Nembhard doesn't get a ton of minutes, uh, last night, he's been productive and you could go down the list. Yeah. Um, Gogo
2: was out of the rotation last night. Didn't even get in.
3: Yeah. And and so s- sooner than later, probably in a couple months, you need to shore that up a little bit I think and and free up a couple roster spots so that you can start prioritizing even more what you want, but there's no hurry for that. Nothing would be expected anytime soon. But while while buddy it kind of encompasses what they want as a player and being a shooter. Uh, I think it's more likely than not that he doesn't finish the season here.
2: Scott, I want to r- wrap up with a couple of kind of off-the-court stuff, uh, off-the-court things. First off, um, any background with these city jerseys? Uh, personally, I think they look heinous. Um, I think the Pacers are tanking, I guess, in the jersey creation. and um, yeah, I, I don't understand them at all. Can you provide a little clarity with any?
3: Yeah, a little bit right now that I can reveal, and it's that it was very complicated and came together kind of very last minute. Um, during these situations, uh, the team and and they work in conjunction with Nike, and uh, from what I heard, Nike wanted something even worse than this, and so. Boy, what does so that look like? Kind of,
2: yeah, we've got to see know. a picture of that.
3: I don't know, but this is kind of maybe a compromise. It kind of sounds like here, um, but it's something nobody's happy with that I've heard from over there as well. So, don't think they're very proud of these or or content with this uh, as well. Um, maybe taking it yeah, off with that one. There's nothing good about them. There, there's this. There's the story behind them that's meant well but I don't think it ended up very well in the presentation. Unfortunately, I think they only wear them for five games. Uh,
2: maybe just go shirts and skins on, on, <laughs> on the night that the city jerseys uh, are supposed to be in, in rotation. I want to encourage everyone, Scott, to read um, what you had up on Fieldhouse Files about just kind of the background on what the Pacers did for Benedict Matherin, bringing his mom and his sister in town uh, to make that uh, Haitian meal. Um, really well done by you on that. The video is awesome. The Pacers sent out a video. I Retweeted a couple days ago. Uh, but that was a pretty cool backstory. And, you know, I know it's a little thing, Scott, but like these are some of the things you've got to do when you think about building a relationship with a player, you know, making him feel at home, those sorts of things. That at some point, you hope that Benedict Matherin is a star player for you. And when this time to sign a big contract comes, he thinks back to those moments and, you know, wants to be here long term.
3: That's exactly right. You're trying to make daily kind of deposits right for him for all your game players and trying to do what you can each day to make them feel most at home most comfortable most uh able to you know be productive on the practice court the game court whatever and i thought this was just a cool moment the his sister his mom were coming in town for for opening night and he he always talks they were saying about the haitian food and so good you'll never believe how good it is that type of thing and so they said hey you know what let's get them in here and let's have them surprise him with a home-cooked meal, which he hasn't had in four years, which just baffled me. But when you add it up, you went to the NBA Academy down in uh, Mexico. Then he spent a couple of years at the University of Arizona. During the draft process, you have no time. That's free whatsoever and very little with your family. The summer league, the, all that stuff. Um, so essentially combined with they, they worked in conjunction with two of the full-time chefs they have here. And it worked out very nicely,
1: so Scott. Last one from me. Uh, next time the Pacers get on the court is against the Wizards on Friday night. That game, their lone national broadcast uh, on the, across the country. How did how did they decide that Pacers Wizards was something <laughs> yeah. they wanted a piece of?
3: Mark, I got nothing. I don't know. Gosh, I, I felt bad. I, I was after the Pacers game. I had the Lakers Nuggets game on, and I felt bad. Dave Patch kept having to tease it, and I'm like, ooh, like. No better options out there. I don't don't know. A Friday night, maybe they – yeah, I I got nothing for you. But I will say it is nice. There is a a small group of the fan base who aren't going to watch or can't watch Pacer games maybe unless it's part of the cable package. So this is one chance where those, especially across the nation, can watch the Pacers at least once, and it's early into the season.
2: Well, ESPN action for the Pacers. Again, the Wizards, and then two with the Nets to close out this five-game road trip. Scott, safe travels. Thank you for the time this morning. And as always, Fieldhouse Files a must-stop for Pacers fans. I
3: appreciate that, guys. Thanks.
2: That's Scott Agnes right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Rick Carlisle's birthday today. You guys care to guess the age? For sixty-four. Rick Carlisle?
5: Sixty-two.
2: Oh my gosh.
5: Do so we bookend it?
2: Sixty-three folks.
5: Look at you two. So, Price is Right rules. I win, though, right? Yeah, I went over. That is accurate. I'm officially the new producer of the show. All right. <laughs> I'll slide over here for a while.
2: I think w- would Jake be rejoicing? By the way, did Jake just text us? Yeah, he
1: he texts us. He's like, I got to try this this snack. He says it's a candy bar, but
2: it looks like a donut. Yeah, I see donut. Oh, and it he just loves... says what the blank is what it says on the box. And we can probably say it's. The big blank, right? Yeah, the big blank. Yeah. That one.
1: I'm like, well you gotta try it, but it looks like looks like he's out. It looks, looks like donuts.
2: He's at some like Mart right now or something.
1: Yeah. I'm not sure what's going on there. He's
2: very intrigued by it. Well, Maybe I he'll know. bring us some. As I said, that's an automatic buy, in my opinion. You asked him if he had PEDs that he was carrying with him last night. I know. I, and I once I said it out loud, I, I could quickly realize that could be interpreted in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Well then he sh- I, then, he I, then met, he I met sleepy sleeping aid some others met, you know. Well then he sent the picture <laughs> the little of a cannabis
1: dispensary that was at the Chicago <laughs> O'Hare Airport. That. So, I mean he, we were we were circling the drain at that point.
2: Jake's in Europe. We're in studio. Colts conversation the rest of the way. Kevin and Query with Mark 935 Ninety three five one zero seven five. The fan. Yeah, Jim Irsay challenged uh, Pat McAfee to a 35-yard field goal and then a 35-yard TD pass to Reggie Wayne at halftime of the Steelers game. If completed, $1 million to Kicking the Stigma, $1 million to the IU Cancer Center, and $1 million to a charity of McAfee's choice. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that'll be cool. So that'll be halftime of the Steelers game Monday after Thanksgiving. Let's head to the Payless Liquors Hotline. Appreciate the flexibility from him today. Pushed him back a little bit later. Zach Kiefer joins us here. Zach, I don't know how you felt sitting in that press room yesterday, but at times I felt like I was asking Frank Wright questions that I honestly should be asking to Jim Irsay and Chris Ballard, and we just don't have access to either of them right now.
0: Yeah, that's sort of the pickle that we're in, and this franchise is in because there's one voice. And if this was a collective decision, which they're saying, which I'm not completely buying, then it would be really, really nice to hear from the two other voices in the room. But that's the situation. And Frank Reich is is literally up there answering questions about, didn't it feel like to you that he was sort of defending his resume? You know, defending the fact that through four quarterbacks in four years before this season, they had three top ten offenses. But at this point, they have the 30th-ranked rushing offense and the 29th-ranked scoring offense, and they average 5.5 points a game in the first half. So it just feels like there's a lot going on right now, and Frank Reich is the only face of this team that's answering any questions
2: for it. Yeah, I thought the answer that he said to you, Zach, about, to your point, the resume and you know, defending it. But then within that question of him saying, I feel like at times we've exceeded expectations. He did say something that I found really interesting. He was like, you know, at at some point, do you want to take a step back? Maybe at some point you have to. Jim Irsay thinks this is an upgrade in the short term, but maybe this is the necessary step back that should have been taken a couple years ago.
0: Yeah, to be honest, I'm buying that. I am because you're not going to get anywhere if you finish seven, nine and one with Matt Ryan and you miss the playoffs by a game because the AFC South is bad and you're picking, I don't know, 13th or 15th. Like this is going to have to bottom out because you're not good enough to really compete in the AFC and you're not bad enough to find the quarterback that's going to be the answer. So it's a little bit like across town, the situation the Pacers were in for a long time where, you know, they didn't have a top 10 pick for 15 years, 20 years, whatever it was. And, You know, that's the sad part because I hear Frank's point. Like, they have done a lot in the face of one of the most unprecedented situations in NFL history. That really was what happened in August of 2019. And the fact that they won 11 games with Phillip Rivers in in 2020 and had a really good team and probably should have won on the road in Buffalo in the playoffs, like, that's legit. And I think that move, that Phillip Rivers move, actually set them back because it emboldened them to go find Carson Wentz and they swung and missed, and that is the move that really has hurt them because when you go through Carson Wentz in one year, then you don't have a lot of options. Last year, you talked yourself into Matt Ryan, and I thought it would work as well. I was wrong. They were wrong, and that's really the seat they're in right now where they're just saying it needs to get worse before it gets better, and it's going to get worse.
1: Frank Reich said no one is waving the white flag in regards to the quarterback change and all that. Do you see it that way, or what does the Sam Ellinger move tell you?
0: No, I. I they, that's what they believe, Mark. Like that's what they believe. They're they believe they're one game out, one and a half games out of the AFC South. They're they're five hundred right now. They're three three one, which is a better record than they had a year ago at this time. And you know they they, they you know you think they get Leonard back and maybe they can get Taylor going. And, and the reality is, and talking to people inside the building this week, like they need to do something on offense. Like they need to do something different. And they think Sam's skill set. Although there will be difficulty, Sam's skill set, his ability to run around and extend plays, might give them the smart they need. So they're not, not, in their minds, they're not waving the white flag. Um, And and the reality is, they need to find out what they have in this guy. They need to find out what they have in Sam Ellinger, so they can move forward next year, either with him or with
1: somebody else. So going off of that, what does the offense look like with Sam Ellinger under center on Sunday? Does that get, you know frank reich and company out of their comfort zone with how they've usually schemed quarterbacks in their system or is this going to open up a whole new section of the playbook they couldn't really touch with matt ryan or carson wentz or philip rivers should i be honest i can't wait to see what they do with them
0: i don't know if it's going to go great i don't think it will but i'm excited to see something different and yeah they haven't really had a running quarterback i mean carson could move around but they're gonna they're gonna call design runs for this dude and he's gonna extend plays and And Frank is right. He said earlier in the week that sometimes it comes down to, like, two or three third downs. And this team is in a lot of third downs. They're in a lot of third and seven or longer. And if Ellinger can pick up a couple of those, a couple of those, that might help them. It it feels like to me that they got some dudes on the outside. Like, Paris Campbell's had two really nice weeks in a row. I feel like Michael Pittman is a pro bowler in waiting. They just don't have the quarterback to get him there. And then you've got, you know, Alex Pierce has shown some stuff. So there's weapons there's weapons to work with for Sam Ellinger. If he can move around and maybe keep the defenses honest, if you guys noticed against Tennessee, I mean, the, the Titans knew exactly what the Colts were going to do. And what they weren't going to do which just throw it down the field, deep down the field, and that made life a lot easier for the Titans. I'm not saying Ellinger's going to light it up down the field, but his running ability might change some things up. It's going to be fun to watch at the very least.
2: Again, Zach Keepers with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Zach's latest up on The Athletic kind of taking the pulse yesterday from the Colts' locker room and what was, um, I would say, an interesting environment inside of there as Matt Ryan is benched and Sam Ellinger is promoted. Uh, Zach, this might be a question that's better served for after the season, but it is something that's popped in my head this week. Considering Jim Irsay is, let's just say, heavy influence in this decision to promote Sam Ellinger, do you think that could create some hesitancy or some pause if they make a change at head coach and a head co- head coach candidate views the situation in Indianapolis and thinks to himself, oh boy, um, if I take that job there, that owner might step in and make a decision about playing time or about personnel um, that might not happen in another situation?
0: You know, I heard you talking about this with the JMD yesterday and and I completely agree. That's, that's the reality. And if you don't think coaches and execs and agents of coaches pay attention to this stuff, you're wrong. They, they absolutely do. And you know, Jim Mercy has gotten a lot of credit over the years for not being his father, for not meddling, for not screaming at halftime about a quarterback change. But in the last two instances, his voice has been very strongly heard within that building, including last year on January 9th, where he basically laid down a mandate the night of the season-ending loss that said he will not be back under any circumstances. And so Chris Bowden and Frank Reich had to go find a quarterback in a situation where they didn't have a first-round pick and there wasn't a great free agent crop. We've been through all that before, but to answer your question, look, Sean Payton is going to be the number one um, coach on everybody's list, and that's a guy that's going to want control. Did you come to a team where the owner has meddled a little bit and it doesn't have a long-term solution to quarterback? You know, that's the thing these veteran coaches are going to weigh if that possibility presents itself. I don't know what it's going to look like after this team ends its season. But the other thing is that, you know, if if you're a young coordinator and you just want a job, you're going to take any job you can get, but that's the reality. And and his, his fingerprints are on this decision. Just like they were on the decision to get rid of Carson Wentz. And to be honest, it puts Frank Reich in a really tough spot. Now that doesn't excuse the fact that the offense is a mess and they haven't gotten done with Matt Ryan, but both things can be true. The fact is Sam Ellinger is, is basically, I mean, is he, is he going to be Frank Reich, you know, saving grace right now? Is that going to be, you know, what Frank's job is determined upon? That's a really tough spot to put your coach in.
1: I feel like it almost can't be because you've, you, you yeah. know, it, took, it, took, it took the owner to go in and say, we're going with Sam, and it's something the coaching staff and Chris Ballard didn't do. So it was almost Jim Ursay had to force it in order for it to happen. So I'd find that kind of wild that if you know Sam does well, that somehow Frank Reich would would survive that even still. So uh, sticking with Jim Ursay real quick, Zach Kiefer joining us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Have you heard any other owners weigh in on what Jim Ursay said about Dan Snyder?
0: No been radio silence and and i can tell you this i think everybody knows that a lot of owners think that they didn't have the guts to say it and that's the interesting part and boy we haven't even gotten into daniel snyder coming to lucas oil stadium presumably this weekend for the game um because that's like the eighth different storyline we have to deal with for this game but yeah you, you guys think they sit him in the suite or or what kind of seat <laughs> have for the game like
5: Sunday? yeah
1: 600 level maybe is blue Top gonna corner. pie him before the game
0: it, it, I I can't imagine the two owners will interact. But
2: no, but I mean, is. Fox will be all over the camera shots.
0: Right, right, right. I, I, I'm i here to see it. I'm here to see it. That's all I know.
2: Again, Zach Kiefer is with us here on the Pay Less Liquors Hotline. Um, Zach, you think we see Shaquille Leonard make his second season debut, if you will, this Sunday?
0: Yeah, I think so. And, and I think it's pretty simple. All you need from Shaq is for him to score 10 points a game to help the offense that can't do it itself. And I think this team will be fine. Like you can count on at least one or two turnovers a game from him, and he could probably take one of the house. And that's the shame of it—they haven't had one of their best players all year, and it already feels like a lost season. And and that's just there's just so many things that go into that.
1: Trade deadline coming up early next week. Zach, do you see the Colts making any moves at the deadline?
0: Yeah, I actually I actually could see a couple. Um, We'll see how Sunday goes. I think Sunday will tell us something, but I could see them being sellers. Now, it might be a little bit difficult for other teams to to really meet the salaries of some of these guys, but there's a couple of veterans the Colts have that that I could see them parting with. I'm not predicting anything. This is just me speculating right now. But, you know, I mean, the offensive line, I mean, those guys are absolutely underperforming right now. We'll see how Sunday goes against Washington, but. Um, if if they're going to move with Ellinger moving forward, I could see them sort of changing their approach and sort of uh, moving on from a couple of veterans. A move wouldn't stun me, I'll put it that way.
2: Zach, thank you for being flexible today, and uh, we'll see you in a bit up there at the Complex.